Hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. You may be seated this morning. I come to you this morning with a fresh passion. Fresh, that's what I said. Even in a pandemic and a national crisis, God has refreshed my spirit. And I can't help but believe today that there's many of you that need a refreshing of your spirit today. You've grown complacent. Perhaps you're weary and you're tired and you're battle-worn. Your zealousness you once possessed has subsided. Your level of commitment has grown intermittent. Your faith is at an all-time low and some are barely hanging on. But I'm here to tell you that the Spirit of God is here to speak to you today, right now. And there's just enough left in you to hear this, but you feel you're too weak to respond to this. But I've come to tell you this morning with enough confidence to believe I hear the Spirit of the Lord say, rise up and walk. Arise and shine, my child. Come forth, my son. Fear not, I'm with you, my daughter. You may be cast down, but you're not destroyed. What you need today is a spiritual bath. You need to be right where you're at, showered by the Spirit of God this morning like a fresh rain on a hot summer day. Somebody say amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. I told a story some time back. I'm going to repeat it right here to exemplify what I am talking about this morning. I can remember as a little boy, probably the age of six or seven, on one specific occasion, there were many times that this happened, it'd been such a hot and dry summer, it hadn't rained for days. And me and my brothers and my sisters, we were out in the neighborhood with our friends, and we would play outside in the sweltering heat all day long. The only hydration we had was drinking from our water holes. And the temperature and the heat of the day would get up into the upper 90s, and it continued to rain that way even in the 80s throughout the night. Why it'd make you feel miserable and even impossible to sleep at night. Due to the fact that we didn't have any form of air conditioning in my house. Just one box fan and a window in a two-bedroom house in which me and my mom and my dad and six of us kids lived. We were flat-out poor folks. We lived on the poorest side of the town. We were so poor we couldn't even pay attention. I can remember a couple of times dad would make a pallet out on the front porch. And some of us kids would go outside and sleep on the porch because it was cooler outside than it was on the inside. And I can remember in the daytimes and the heat of the day, my mama taking sheets, wetting them, then hanging them like drapes over the windows to try to keep the sun's noonday heat out. Anybody my age or older knows what I'm talking about. I can remember, though, this one hot summer day in particular. It hadn't rained for days. We were sunburnt and we were parched. Everything was dried up. We were out playing when we heard a rumble of thunder. And getting our attention, we looked and observed not far off was a dark cloud that was quickly approaching. And mom instructs us to come in the house. So we went into the house, hot and sweaty, and we gathered in the front room, all of us little heathens, standing and looking out the screen door, out on the front porch, and we could smell rain in the air. And then it happened. The clouds opened up and the rains came down. So heavy, it immediately soaked the parched ground. Everything was wet. And as we stood there excited, knowing how refreshing it would feel in our bodies, we began to plead with Mama. Mama, can we go out and play? Please, please, Mama, can we go out and play? And after much pleading, Mom would say, oh, go on and get on out of here. And we'd rush out that door into that refreshing rain. And I have never forgotten what that moment felt like. How refreshing they were to me after being so dry and being so 
barren. And we would run and we would dance and we would stand soaked from head to toe, loving every single moment of it. And I compare that to 30 years later in my life. I can remember being dry and barren in my spirit. And this time, not my physical body, but in my soul. And on a Sunday morning evening, uh, uh, Sunday morning service on Ninth and Cedar, I made my way to an altar and I laid my dry, barren spirit down on it. And as I laid there with my parched spirit, God opened up the heavens and the spirit of God came down like a rain and flooded my soul. And I began to speak in other tongues because God had baptized me with the Holy Ghost. And I raised up off of that altar, renewed and refreshed and empowered by his spirit. It was like he bathed me in his presence. It's like he showered me with his spirit. I've never forgotten what it felt like. And I say that to you to say to you today, how long has it been since you've been bathed by his spirit? How long has it been since you brought your dry and parched body to an old altar and let the spirit of God breathe upon you to renew your spirit and refresh you? I'm here to tell you today, the day is the day that God's wanting to let it rain in this place. And you just got to rush out your screen door this morning and jump in it. I can already smell the aroma of his presence. It's fixing to rain. It's fixing to rain. Let it rain, oh God, in this place. We are Pentecostal, are we not? We are to have an expectation of spiritual renewal every time we are in his presence. And I can tell you the atmosphere set here today through our worship, God desires to open up the floodgates of heaven and let it rain again. As a spirit-filled believer, we have all experienced a renewal of our spirit at times, and we must never lose sight of the ability that the spirit has to do it again and again and again and again. And I declare to you as a servant of God, I see a cloud about the size of a man's fist, and you better get ready because, church, it's fixing to rain upon the church again. Faith can bring forth the outpouring of his spirit. Now, my text today is going to be Acts 2, chapter 2, Acts 2, and, and uh, excuse me, Acts chapter 2 is going to be my text today, is what I'm trying to say, and I'm not going to read the scripture to you. I'm going to implement it into my sermon today as I go along here. It was on the day of Pentecost, the faith of 120 men and women brought forth an outpouring of his spirit. They remained in that room, and they tarried in Jerusalem simply by the faith, waiting on a promise from God. They had an expectation of an outpouring of his spirit. So they waited and they waited and they waited and they pleaded. They pleaded even to the point of whatever it looks like, whatever it sounds like. Come, Lord Jesus. Anybody else in here praying that prayer? As a result, Pentecost was birthed in an upper room in Jerusalem. It came like the sound of a mighty rushing wind and filled the whole house. And I say, Lord, do it again in this house today. And tongues of fire set upon each of their heads, and they all began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. And I can honestly say as a Spirit-filled believer, I have seen fire, and I have seen rain. I have felt the refreshing of His Spirit like a fresh rain, and I have felt His Spirit consuming me like a fire. Hallelujah. And I want to tell you something, church. Coming in here in his presence, spiritually dry and thirsty and not getting refreshed is about as dumb as sitting next to a water hydrant and complaining that you're thirsty. Child, get yourself a drink this morning. Hallelujah. It's here. And you ain't got no excuse other than you refuse to drink. Oh, help me, Lord. 
Jerusalem was a place God chose to pour out his spirit. Have you, like me, ever wondered why? Of all the places Jesus had been, or all the places this could have happened at, why did he choose Jerusalem to be the place for this outpouring? I mean, why not Bethany, the place he called Lazarus, who'd been dead for four days, back to life? I'm sure things were pretty energized there. After such a miracle would have made a good setting, a great atmosphere to pour out his spirit on that day of such a celebration. Or how about Canaan of Galilee, where Jesus performed his first miracle, turning water into wine at a wedding feast, the place where he declared, I have saved the best for the last. So why Jerusalem? Why not one of the many places where he had raised the dead, turned water into wine? He had healed the sick. He'd walked on the water where he had already been established as the miracle worker where faith was at an all-time high. No, he was adamant. It had to be at Jerusalem. He had instructed them to specifically tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. Why Jerusalem? First of all, it was prophetic. In Isaiah 2, verse 3 the prophecy had already been given. We shall return to Zion, and from Jerusalem the word of the Lord shall go forth. So first of all, it had a prophetic reason. Second of all, it had a practical reason. He already had insight that it was the will of God for the outpouring of God was for it to come on the day of Pentecost, meaning that thousands of people would be in that city from all over the nation for that important day. People of all languages from nations all across the world would be there that day. And the prophetic, practical, pragmatic, strategic mind of an awesome, mighty God said that, I'm going to pour out my spirit on that day in Jerusalem. So that when the spirit falls in that upper room, it won't be contained in Jerusalem. It'll be experienced and then transported around the world by the thousands that were in that city that day. In return, infecting the whole world. What a phenomenal strategy. But it wasn't just prophetic. It was just practical. It was also personal. Jerusalem had been the place of crucifixion. Jerusalem had been the place of his betrayal, the place of denial, the place of his rejection. He experienced a lot of suffering there. But Jerusalem was also the place which Jesus loved. I recall him sitting on a hillside, looking out over Jerusalem, weeping for it. And the Bible said he cried out, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how often I would have gathered you unto myself as a mother gathers her brood, but you wouldn't. Jesus, in spite of all he suffered in Jerusalem because of his personal investment, wanted to prove that in the midst of all of his suffering, that it was the will of God, that Israel was cho God's chosen place, and this place has been chosen to be the center of all by his Father. The place where the full gospel of Jesus Christ would be poured out into the world on this day when the day of Pentecost had fully come. How many know God has places, chosen real estates, territories, cities to be used, as distribution centers to further the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He not only chooses some of the most unlikely people to carry the message, he often also chooses some of the most unlikely places to be a refuge of his presence, to be used, to be distributed the gospel further.
as he did that day in Jerusalem to help carry it to the ends of the world. Now, you may not caught on yet to what I'm fixing to say about the Palace of Praise in Poplar Bluff, Missouri, but just stick around, see if I don't mention it. So him knowing what God wanted to invest in the people of Jerusalem, he sent the disciples to that city and told them to tarry there until the promise comes. And they did. And it did. Suddenly, there came a sound from heaven like a mighty rushing wind. Suddenly, suddenly, suddenly. You know what I pray? I pray that a suddenly would come to this city, to this room, to these disciples that God loves and weeps over, that God would place an investment into this city and pour out his spirit upon us. Oh, God, please pour out your spirit upon us. Pour out your spirit and refresh us. Pour out your spirit and empower us. Choose this place to be used as a refuge to distribute the gospel of Jesus Christ, our Lord, unto the nations. Somebody say hallelujah. hallelujah. You know, I believe just as much as he loved Jerusalem, I believe he loves this city. I pray that an outpouring of the Spirit would come to this city today while we're gathered here in one mind, in one accord, so that we too can be a part of ushering in his presence and be a chosen place in these last days that he can pour out his spirit in. On that day of Pentecost, the Bible says, came a sound from heaven. And what made this sound so special is where it originated from. It originated in the throne room of heaven. What we need in this hour is a sound from heaven. I'm tired of hearing from a man. I want to hear from heaven. I don't want to hear no more noise pollution. I want to hear from the one who has a solution. I don't want to hear from another politician, physician, or a scientist. I want to hear what God has to say, the supreme authority over all. We need a sound that transcends the race, the culture, the politics, and the denominations that transcends over everything that tries to exalt itself above God. Hallelujah. It's not an opinion. It's not a theory. It's not intellectual. It's purely truth from the God of truth. And you can stand on it, you can live by it, and you can bank on it. That sound from heaven came with power. It came as a mighty rushing wind. It came with a tornadic force. The word rushing comes from the word we get echo from. And it speaks of the reverberation, the magnification of the wind that day. The word mighty speaks of the downward thrust that it had. And God chose Jerusalem, the center of the known world, to be the epicenter of the spiritual earthquake that was going to shake the world. There is strength in the power of his spirit till today to shake this world and empower the church to turn it upside down for the glory of God. It can still come suddenly into your situation with the power to turn your world upside down and change your situation. I don't care what comes against you. It cannot withstand the force of the Holy Spirit. Can I tell you about the saturation of his outpouring that day? <clears throat> the Bible says it filled the whole house where they were sitting. <laughs> Lord, do it again this morning. Let there not be one dry spot in this room. From the front door to the back door of this room, let your spirit rest upon your people. Let it fall like a rain. Saturate us. Let the fire fall and empower us this morning. Start something fresh and new in this place today, oh God. Lift the weight 
Lift the heaviness off the minds of your people, God. Lord, saturate this place with your presence. Let us hear a sound from heaven. Let the power of Pentecost come once again and touch this church. If we want some walls to come down, we better start shouting now. We've walked around these walls for too long not saying a word. And we ain't never going to have another Jericho moment if we don't shout now. Don't wait till the battle's over. Shout now. Don't wait till the battle's over. Shout now. Oh, come on. One more time. Everybody, don't wait till the battle's over. Shout now. Need I remind you, he's God on the platform. He's God at the front door. He's God at the back door. He's God all over this floor. Well, glory this morning. <laughs> Hallelujah, God. Whew. You know what we need, church? We need an obvious move of Pentecost. Once again on this earth. Why not here? It can happen. If we're willing to let God make it happen. In Acts 2 it said, there was a sound on the day of Pentecost. But there was also a sight to be seen on the day of Pentecost. It said that after the sound and the saturation happened in verse 3, there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire and set upon each of them, they seen it. And they're all, say all. And they all were filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. You want to talk about a sight to see? It was obvious. That's what needs to be seen back in the church again today. The manifestation of the Holy Ghost. We need the evidence of the fire to appear on us again. Declaring Pentecost is here to stay. To show what it was to the church that day is still what it needs to be to the church this day. It's the evidence of his presence. Now hear me loud and clear. The church is about to lose its fire. And we've got to fan the flames and cause it to burn again. We have got to become a sight and sound church again. We have got to hear from heaven and see the manifestations of his spirit in operation in the church, in you, and in me. We just got to decide that we want God to use this church to demonstrate his power to a lost and a dying world. We're not to be ashamed of Pentecost. It's the power of God into salvation. There's too many churches who are Pentecostal in name only. If they had to stand trial for being guilty of being Pentecostal, the judge would have to dismiss the case for lack of evidence. If we say we're a Pentecostal, where is the evidence? Are the gifts of the Spirit in operation? Are we speaking in tongues? Are we laying hands on the sick? Are we praying in the Spirit? Are we being witnesses? 
are souls being saved. Where there's no evidence, there is no power. Just a form of godliness, denying the power of. Folks, we have got a shaken nation. And we preached our heart out to this congregation. There's coming a shakening. It's here. The earth is being shaken. And a shaken earth needs a shaken church. Where something's moving, something's changing. We need a spiritual earthquake once again. And God has promised that in the last days, he will pour out his spirit upon all flesh. He has promised he will saturate us again with his spirit. And I say, do it again, God. And God, please do it here. You're wondering what happened to me today. I got refreshed, and my passion is being driven by my spirit instead of my flesh. My spirit hungers and thirsts in this dark season for more of God in me. I have felt the genuine move of his spirit. You've heard me speak of the spiritual encounter that I had in China. Never have I been saturated by his spirit like that before or since then. And I'm here to tell you, church, and I'm going to say it loud. I want it again. (laughs) Come on, church. Breathe on them, Holy Ghost. One thing I can honestly testify to you of, it happened in a communist country where I was surrounded by oppression, depression, corruption, and persecution. But he taught me through that spiritual experience that no matter what happens in this country in the days to come, his spirit is not bound by oppression, depression, communism, nor persecution. Matter of fact, in the darkest of times, even if I make my bed in hell, he's still God and he'll never leave me, nor will he ever forsake me. I'm concerned about losing a lot of liberties and privileges and freedoms we've had as the United States of America, but I'm not concerned about losing the power of his spirit in my life. That's, how I, that's why I believe. As the Bible declares in the last days, perilous times will come. But I also believe right in the midst of those perilous times, there's going to be an outpouring of his spirit like never before to where there's going to be pockets of revival like refugees camps where righteousness runs into and they are safe. Right in the midst of the darkness that will surround it. The power of Pentecost will create a sanctuary of his glory. And out of the darkness, many will run into his marvelous light. And the greatest harvest of souls shall be saved on this earth. And they'll become like a bride waiting for the bridegroom to come and take us home. Come on, somebody. We need to be obvious. We're Pentecostal. We need to fly our banner high. 
like a flag signaling we are part of God's army. We are to be the restraining force, but we will not hold the fort long without the power and the sound from heaven. The mighty rushing wind, the spirit of God that is needed to defend the church. We need the signs of Pentecost. These signs shall follow those that believe. Church, I'm, I'm declaring it's time to see the lame wall. It's time to see the blind see. It's time to hear the, see the deaf hear. The drug addict be delivered. Your son, your daughter be free from their bondage. It's time. Oh, help me. John the Baptist declared. I indeed baptize you with water, but there cometh one after me mightier than I am, whose sandal strap are not even worthy to loose. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And I say to you, be baptized with the Holy Spirit and with fire. He's still doing it. I said he's still doing it. In case you didn't hear me, I said he's still doing it. Ask and you shall receive. Go ahead, ask James Larson if he's still doing it. Last Sunday night, he got caught up in worship, totally yielding himself to God. And guess what happened? He got baptized with the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues. Am I right, James? Hallelujah. You know what that does? It made it obvious that the presence of God was here. It's here, church, if you want it. It's got to be obvious. It was obvious in Acts chapter 2 when the wind and the fire appeared to them in that upper room. It was obvious in Acts chapter 3 when Peter and John raised up a crippled man who daily sat and begged for alms at the gate called Beautiful by declaring to him, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, I give it to you. And in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And the once lame man stood up, and he began to walk. And then he took off walking, walking and leaping into the temple with them, praising God. And when he walked into that room, the Bible says, and all the people saw him walking and praising God making it obvious that the Spirit of God had touched this man. And the Bible said, and then they knew it was he who had sat begging for alms at the gate called Beautiful. And they all became filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Church, it was obvious. In Acts chapter 4, it was obvious. When the people gathered together, and they prayed so fervently that the house they were in was shaken by the glory of God. Did you catch that? The house was shaken. It takes a lot of force to shake a house. It was obvious it was the wind of the Spirit that shook it that day. And it says, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. I prayed all week. That today, before we leave, it's obvious to everyone that the presence of God is in this room. If we're going to declare we are Pentecostal,
let's have the evidence of it. So that when the brokenhearted and the bruised and the abused walk in here, and many times against their will, that it's obvious to them that the Spirit of God is here. Sometimes people simply just walk in here out of desperation. They've tried everything. They've been to every treatment center. They've been to every safe house. And they've come in here because they are sick and tired of being treated and mistreated. They're ready to be delivered to be set free. And somebody told them this is the place to come. So they come in here looking for a family that won't reject them. People who won't abuse them. Looking for a home that's not broken. A place where they can cry till God makes everything all right. And they come wanting to receive this Jesus. The one who was anointed to preach the gospel to the poor. The one who was sent to heal the brokenhearted. The one who was sent to preach deliverance to the captives and the recovery of the sight to the blind. And can set at liberty them that are bruised. And they came to see the one who said, Whosoever calleth on the name of the Lord shall be saved. It must be obvious to them when they walk in them doors. It must be obvious that not only we welcome them, but they can feel the presence of the Lord in this place welcoming them. We must get back to making known the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. And church, that requires preaching Jesus, born of the Virgin Mary, who was without sin, was crucified on the cross to take away the sins of the world and was buried, but three days later he was resurrected, conquering death, hell, and the grave. And when we do, the Spirit will follow with signs and wonders, igniting the church back to life once again. Pentecost will only be obvious when Jesus is exalted and established as the head of the church. Until you receive Jesus, you'll not be spirit-filled. For it is Jesus who's the baptizer of the Spirit. To receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost is subsequent to having a clean heart. And you can't have a clean heart until you've given your heart to Jesus Christ, who then regenerates your heart. He cleanses it, and then he justifies it to be as if you never sinned. Then you shall be able to be baptized with the Holy Ghost and fire by Jesus. Never forget, church, the demonstration of Pentecost is as much for the unbeliever as it is for the believer. 1 Corinthians 14, 22 gives us one example. It says, tongues is not for the believer. It's for the unbeliever. It's the spirit that enables you to be able to speak in tongues. It's the initial evidence of the spirit in his presence. When tongues goes out, it signifies, it's evidence that the Spirit is in operation in this room. And it makes it obvious to all that his presence is here. I think I can speak for most folks. The first time you ever heard tongues go out, it was a frightening experience for most. It definitely got your attention. It's made some people tremble. Some even leave the room because it's real, it's obvious, it's evidence. 
It gets serious in the room real quick. A holy hush with the room at times. Only for the room to erupt in praise and worship upon hearing the interpretation. It must be in order, and when appropriated reverently, it affects the atmosphere, as does the spoken word of God. When you speak in tongues, you speak mysteries of God. In the book of Acts, it says, as Peter began to speak, they received the Holy Ghost at Cornelius' house. We cannot quench the Spirit for the sake of not bringing death to the church. Speaking in tongues is still the initial evidence of spirit-filled believer. There are others, but it's the first one. We speak in tongues, and we pray in tongues with moanings and groanings that can't be understood that go straight through to the throne room of God, praying the will of God, and they cannot be intercepted by the enemy. Praying in tongues is an obvious moving of the Spirit. Birthed on the day of Pentecost. And they were all filled with the Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. A Spirit-filled church emanates. There's life in Jesus Christ. Lord, let your Spirit be obvious in this place. Give us the ability and the desire to want to operate in the gifts of the Spirit. Let this place be used to be a distribution center of the gospel of Jesus Christ to our community. Why here? Why Poplar Bluff? Because I believe it's prophetic for it to be. It's been prophesied over so many times for so many people. I've seen the vision of the multitudes coming through them doors. I've seen how diverse and every aspect of life walks through them doors. I believe it's practical. With the flood of people God is going to send through those doors of every culture, every race, every tongue that's coming, it will reach this region for the glory of God. And I believe it's personal. For the price this church has paid, for the sacrifices that have been made, the prayers that have been made, for the burden this church has for all the suffering in our community, let this place be a refuge, a safe place, a sanctuary for healing, deliverance, and salvation. I believe God has chosen the palace of praise in Popper Bluff to be an epicenter to this region. So therefore, we must let it be obvious to this community that the Spirit of God is in this place that Pentecost is still for today. Church, if we're ever going to truly make a change in our community, in our homes, and in our schools, we must change first. And then we can lead the change for others. We will not endure what we're fixing to face as a nation if we do not embrace Jesus Christ as the author and finisher of our faith. And then live empowered by the Spirit of God and make it obvious to others in His presence 
there is fullness of joy. Musicians, would you come? Would you stand with me, please? If you have not experienced the baptism of the Holy Ghost, I first encourage you to give your heart to Jesus Christ. He's your hope. He's your answer. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, I'm going to invite you in just a minute to come to this altar and lay your heart down and let God regenerate it and let him forgive you of your sins. And make you a new creature this day. If you have, but you've fallen away, then simply repent so that the times of refreshing can come. And ask God to baptize you in his spirit. And then be empowered to be his witness. If you've been filled, it's time to be refilled. There's only one feeling but there are many refillings available with God. Let's do this so it will remain obvious in here through you that truly the presence of the Lord is in this place. That your life will speak to others what God did for you, He can do for them. There's a whole world out there that's hurting and they're confused. And it's time for the church to let its light shine. And we'll only do this by the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. How many of you are ready for a refreshing this morning? A refreshing of your spirit this morning. You felt so down. You've felt so worried lately. You've been consumed. You've been so burdened. All this garbage has been coming in and surrounding you. And you're surrounded by this and you're surrounded by that. And you're weary and you're tired. How many are once again ready for that jubilant spirit that to ignite in your life once again to bring back the passion that you once had? Oh, God. Life in general has got you down, and you're dry, and you're thirsty, you're hungry, you're ready for God to lift up your spirit today. You need a breakthrough before you end up having a breakdown. This is for every single person in this room. We've all been burdened down. But today, I come to declare to you that the burden lifter is in the place. He's in this place. Oh, church, I don't know about you, but I hear a sound coming from heaven today, and it's causing a sound in this room today. <laughs> we sing about it. I hear the sound of dry bones rattling. And God is saying, live, live, live. Dry bones hear the word of the Lord today. As they begin to play, I'm going to ask you to close your eyes for just a moment, everybody. Holy Ghost, have your way right now. Church, I want to tell you, this is a moment. 
The presence of the Lord is in this place. From the front door to the back door. There's nowhere to hide. You're in his presence. Now, begin to smell the fragrance of his rain. Can you smell it? I can. Begin to smell it. Smell that refreshing smell, that refreshing odor. He has a fragrance. Oh, now, now, run out your screen door this morning and jump into his presence and let him saturate you this morning. I'm going to invite you now to come and experience a refreshing of his spirit. Come and let him lift your burdens. Come and let him ignite your passion once again. Let him make it obvious that truly his presence is in this place. Come. I'm asking everyone in this place. Come this morning. Find yourself a place at this altar. And let the refreshing of the Lord begin to refresh you this morning.